You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is the sermon recording from this week's service, but first, here are the readings. I will extol the Lord with all my heart, in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord, they are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endureth forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has showed his people in the power of his works, giving them the lands of all other nations, The works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided the redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. These are the words of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. And now for this week's sermon. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts find favour with you, O God. Amen. Amen. What do you say? We often hear a parent asking that of a child who's just been given something. Eventually the child learns that the right thing to say is thank you. This itself does not make the child grateful but it does help the child to begin to learn that giving and receiving something changes the relationship between the giver and the receiver. In saying thank you, the child and later on the adult 
acknowledges this change in the relationship. The child very soon becomes also a giver, of course, and if things go well, receives the thanks of whoever has been the recipient, perhaps of a drawing done at school, or a cake that's been made, or a bunch of daffodils taken from the roadside for Mothering Sunday. Again, and, and we who are not little children practice the art of being grateful every day. We both give and receive thanks. At one level, doing this is an easy way of oiling the relationships which connect all of us to each other. But at a deeper level, I think we are acknowledging that we are different, even ever so slightly, from what we were before, because we have been given cause to be grateful. Our existence has been acknowledged and therefore reinforced. Just as a parent does not need a young child to say thank you for, say, being fed, neither does God need our gratitude in order to keep creation in being and to provide everything else that we need in order to live. And yet we say thank you to God. Most particularly, we say thank you in this service, this service which has several names. Some people call it the Lord's Supper, and this name anchors it in the historical reality of a certain event on a certain occasion. Others prefer to call it the Holy Communion, and this emphasizes its function as a meal of fellowship with Christ and of fellowship amongst the participants. Others again use the word mass, which comes from an old word for dismissal, reflected in our go in the peace of Christ, go. So using this word reminds us that we are sent off to be Christians outside church as well as inside. All these labels, titles, are entry points to thinking about important aspects of the one service. This act of worship that plunges us, if we let it, into new and enormous depths, however familiar it becomes to us. There's a fourth title, though, and it's that that we should focus on when we're thinking about gratitude and prayer. That title is Eucharist, from a Greek word meaning thanksgiving. And we remember that the prayer known as the prayer of consecration includes expressions of thanks to God for the works of God and for the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. As I've suggested, God doesn't need us to say thank you. But if our relationship with God, and arguably with our own selves, if those relationships are to be healthy ones, we have to give thanks. Doing so helps us to maintain a conversation with God, to recognize our dependence on God, and to grow in our relationship with God. In the time of Jesus, and long before, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem was run by priests, sacrificing lots of animals day after day, with the, with the man in charge having the title High Priest. Christians believe that Christ did away with the need for all that, and is himself what a New Testament letter calls our great high priest. The Anglican churches, the Roman Catholic Church, and the Orthodox churches have clergy who are ordained as priests. Though if they were being true to history, these clergy would probably be known more as presbyters, elders. 
But given that the church, following St. Paul, thinks of itself as the body of Christ, so all members share in the priesthood of Christ, and therefore we have the priesthood of all believers, not just of those who have been ordained. I think I've quoted here before a remark of a teacher of mine, a man whose father, being Jewish, was murdered in Auschwitz. It pertains to the office of a priest to make Eucharist even in hell. I'm sure that we can apply that to all Christians, to all members of the body of Christ, to the priesthood of all believers. Remember that at the Last Supper, Jesus gave thanks over the bread, gave thanks over the wine. Jesus broke the bread, saying, This is my body, do this in memory of me. Then went on to have his body broken on the cross. And we are invited to make Eucharist, give thanks, even in our own particular hells. In the 1980s, when the AIDS crisis was at its height and so many people's bodies were being broken by the disease, it was sometimes said that the body of Christ has AIDS. And yet that same body of Christ continued to make Eucharist, give thanks, remembering, reliving the broken body of Jesus the Christ. In our Gospel reading, we heard about ten lepers being healed, but only one of them bothering to give thanks. And this one was a foreigner, a Samaritan, and Samaritans had serious disagreements with Jews about religion and how it should be practiced. But this man did not merely say thank you to Jesus, the wandering preacher. He praised God and knelt before the Christ with his face to the ground, truly an act of both thanksgiving and of worship. We can learn from this outsider the way towards worship, towards making Eucharist, towards giving thanks. We can learn that that way is open to us all. We are all invited to develop our relationship with God and with each other. We are all worthy and loved. And in this church we are reminded of that every week when we are told that the table of Eucharist is not ours but God's and that therefore all are welcome. I hope I've said enough to persuade you that whatever other focus this service might have, it certainly includes the giving of thanks to God as one of its significant elements. In doing that, it echoes various parts of the Bible, of course, and a good example is Psalm 111 that, that Margaret read to us. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Great are the works of the Lord. He provides food for those who fear him, and so on. But we're clearly not in church all the time, and we can't be constantly singing psalms. And yet we have St Paul telling us to pray without ceasing. On the face of it, not very practical advice, whether or not we're giving thanks. I offer two suggestions. One has a fancy name attached to it, examen, and I'll spell it, E-X-A-M-E-N, but you needn't remember it. At its simplest, this means reviewing the day that's passed when we come to the end of it. You might want to sit down quietly or kneel by your bed. And doing this provides the opportunity to pray eucharistically, to pray with thanksgiving. You go through the day in your mind thinking of what you might thank God for 
or regret, of course. And these can be bad experiences as well as good that you remember. And remember, it pertains to the office of a priest to make Eucharist even in hell, so even in the bad times, we can give thanks to God. So when we've done, when we've done that examine thing, we can offer to God whatever it is that we can be grateful for. So that's a suggestion about something specific you, you can do. The other suggestion is more general. As you can realize from what I've just said, I'm not advising you to give, to give up a commitment to saying your prayers, but I also suggest that we try to understand praying as being as much an attitude as an activity. And that if we can manage that, we might even manage to live the whole of our lives with gratitude, eucharistically. And taking the matter beyond our minds, recognize that each of us is broken in some sense or other. And that as broken members of the broken body of Christ, we are called to serve others whose brokenness we discover and to give thanks. And this may not be easy. There was once a Secretary General of the United Nations who left a collection of meditations when he was killed in an air crash while on a peacemaking mission in Africa. He was a keen mountaineer and using the exhaustion of climbing a mountain as the symbol of the result of his work, in one of his meditations he writes, weep if you can, weep, but do not complain. The way chose you and you must be thankful. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. To find out more about what we do, head across to our website, www.northernlightsmcc.org.uk.